The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta, joined by my guy, Rocky Magana. Rocky, it's not the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. It is the Kansas City Chiefs bye week. It's week eight of the NFL season, and the Kansas City Chiefs are five and two, sitting atop the AFC West. Coming off their most dominant performance of the season against the San Francisco 49ers, looking like they are absolutely one of the best teams in football. And since they don't have a game this week, we're uh, trying to fill time on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network by discussing some of our post bye week expectations as the Chiefs move into the second half of their season. So, Rocky, thank you for joining me today. How are we doing this morning? Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, my guy, Steven Serta. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm doing great. After sleeping on it last night, I feel better about that chiefs win than i did even last night when we were talking about it i feel like there is not a team in the nfl that when this team puts it all together that can beat them including the buffalo bills there was a lot of things that went wrong against that that went wrong and against the chiefs and the the bills game a lot of it self-inflicted but all that being said we have not seen this team ever put together a complete game and i think if this team puts together a complete game it doesn't shoot themselves in the foot The only team that can beat them is themselves. Yeah. And I, the chiefs, uh, especially, you know, you mentioned the bills and yeah, we're through seven weeks. They got two losses on the season, a really bad loss to the Indianapolis Colts and and that loss to the Buffalo bills that you shouldn't be kind of hanging your head about because I, I do think that the bills right now are the best team in the NFL, but everything that the bills did this off season was in response to the Kansas City Chiefs and trying to make sure that they built a roster that they knew could go into Arrowhead in January if they needed to and and try to get a win. And they did that early in the season. Now we'll see how things go uh, come playoff time this year. But the reason we're still so optimistic about the Kansas City Chiefs is, you know, they're coming off of that huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. It was their best performance of the year, hands down. But this roster still has growth. Like they still have an opportunity to get better as the season moves along. Like we'll get into the defense, we'll get in the offense, and we'll, we won't take up too much of your guys' time today. But 
this defense still has tons of room for growth and the offense is operating at an incredibly efficient level. And you have to assume that as the season goes on, these younger players are going to get more involved and going to find more of a role for themselves. And, you know, we're going to continue to see the chemistry between MVS and Juju and McColl and Mahomes build on top of what is already an unstoppable chemistry with Travis Kelsey. And all of those things are bad things for the rest of the NFL. Oh, my God. Yeah, the rest of the NFL is on notice right now after last night. Um, I think that if the Chiefs can continue to work on their pass protection and figure out the, especially the right side of the offensive line with Andrew Wiley and kind of continue to give him help over there and get that, get that locked down. The offense is ready. The offense is locked and ready to go. It's probably the most potent offense in the NFL. There's not another offense that can score at will like that, except for maybe the bills. It's the defensive side of the ball where you really want to see them get healthy. Like just, just, I want to see, what the secondary looks like with Trent McDuffie back on the field, you know, with Rashad Fenton and Legarius Sneed and having and having a healthy secondary to kind of help out the pass rush so that they don't feel like they have to get to the quarterback, you know, in, in 0.0 seconds or else the secondary is going to get beat. Um, I think that moving forward, as long as the Chiefs can continue to get healthier week by week by week, especially coming out of the bye week, they should be completely healthy for the most part. I think that the Chiefs best football is still in front of them. And that should be really exciting to you if you're a Chiefs fan. And just to highlight some of the things that they've done offensively, obviously they trade away Tyreek Hill this off season and, you know, little bit of panic. What are they going to do offensively in Kansas City without Tyree Kill, at least from the national media? I know people here in Kansas City didn't seem to be all that worried about Tyree Kill going to the Miami Dolphins, and he's having a spectacular season. But this Chiefs offense hasn't taken a step back in any way. Like they're the number one scoring offense in the NFL through seven weeks. Patrick Mahomes has 2,159 passing yards to 20 touchdowns and only five interceptions. He's completing almost 67% of his passes. He leads the NFL in passing yards through seven weeks. Travis Kelsey seventh in the NFL in receiving yards, which even by his standards, that's actually kind of low where we've seen him have seasons where, you know, he finishes in the top three in receiving yards of the NFL, but he's been excellent. He leads the NFL with seven receiving touchdowns this season, and he didn't even score one against the 49ers because he had one called back over a penalty, but he's been exceptional all year and totally unstoppable. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire has been a pleasant surprise. He's got six total touchdowns on the season. And I, I think the biggest difference maker for Clyde so far is that, He's got 16 receptions through seven weeks, and we've spent years talking about getting Clyde involved in the passing game, and the Chiefs are finally doing it, though it is worth noting there's been a little bit more of a shift here recently as they head into the bye. Uh, Clyde does not have a catch in the last two games. He's only got one target in the last two games, and I, I do think that maybe there's a, a little bit of an adjustment there going on as we're seeing Jarek McKinnon get more and more snaps every week. He's getting more involved in the passing game. Isaiah Pacheco is getting more involved in the offense as a whole, and they do have this three running back committee rotation going on right now. But as far as expectations for the offense coming into the season, I don't think the Chiefs could have had a better first seven weeks of the year where they still look totally dominant. And, you know, we talk about losing a player like Tyree Kill and like, the Green Bay Packers are a great example of it this season where they lose Devontae Adams kind of are going through 
this similar style rebuild. It's just Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career instead of the prime of his career, like Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have surpassed every expectation, in my opinion, offensively for the first part of this season, especially when we talk about how tough this schedule was, even though it hasn't exactly worked out on paper to be the toughest schedule in NFL history. It was still a brutal start to the season, and the Chiefs are 5-2 and two after the first seven weeks. The Chiefs are seven games into this season, like you said, 5-2. and two. And then let's just put this into perspective. Patrick Mahomes came into this season with a brutal start to the season with an entirely new wide receiving core and, and with questions about his offensive coordinator, right? That's what the, that's what the Chiefs were facing and, and no Tyreek Hill, right? That's what they were facing coming into this season. Right now, seven games in, Patrick Mahomes is on pace for 5,200 passing yards, 48 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's almost identical numbers to his MVP season. Right, it's more passing yards, only two less touchdowns. You can't tell me as he gets more and more and more familiar with these wide receivers that he doesn't project to even have better passing numbers on the second half of the season, where the schedule does get a little bit easier and where he's more familiar with his wide receivers. We could be seeing Patrick Mahomes top his MVP season this year if he keeps on playing this way. This is the best Patrick Mahomes we've seen yet in his career up to this point, and I think that the Chiefs record and the success that his new wide receivers are having is a reflection of just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is that guy, like how good Patrick Mahomes is and how lucky we are to have him as our quarterback. And I believe at least the last time that I looked, Patrick Mahomes was still number two in the MVP odds behind only Josh Allen. And it's pretty clear to me right now that it's the bills and the chiefs to top the NFL. Um, you know, Philadelphia is in that mix. I think they're the top three teams across the league. And I don't think it's really close. I think they've separated themselves from everyone else in football, but I predicted Patrick Mahomes was going to win the MVP prior to the season because he was going to be pissed off because there was a lot of talk this off season. Herbert's better than Mahomes. Burrow's better than Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is still better than Mahomes. And that game that we saw against the San Francisco 49ers was him operating at the highest level of efficiency possible, looking totally unstoppable, working through the offense and executing everything to perfection. And he's not going to have flawless games like that every single week. And I know he did have the interception, but it was such a flawless performance. I don't even care about that pick because every other time he took the field, it was like, we're going to score a touchdown and there's nothing you can do about it. If he operates like this, the rest of the season, I don't think that I, I think that he's easily going to come away with another MVP and doing it with, with this cast of wide receivers compared to what he's had in the past, man, it, it's really hard not to be totally impressed with the offense so far this year, but I want to get into the defense and get into a few things that we're going to keep, be keeping an eye on in kind of expectations that we have for the second half of the season. Uh, the Chiefs defense, they're still only giving up 92 rushing yards per game. That's great. Um, I'm still not convinced that they're all of a sudden like this dominant run defense or something. I think it has more to do with the fact that the offense has been so good and teams just can't run on them because we have seen teams put up big rushing games on them. Like the, the Raiders a couple of weeks ago, they kind of struggled against the bills, but then the bills, you know, decided to start passing it more and kind of challenging them downfield and kind of gave up on the run. And the bills aren't a, a rushing team. They're similar to the chiefs in the fact that they would just prefer to throw the football all the time. But 
that's great. Uh, you're, you got to be happy about that. They've also got 19 sacks through the first seven weeks. They only had eight sacks through the first seven weeks of 2021. Um, so this defense, despite the fact that we've been a little skeptical about the pass rush, and at times they have struggled to get home, Spags has done an incredible job all season long of just dialing up these perfectly timed blitzes at, at key moments in the game. And that's helped a lot. But over the first seven weeks, I think we have seen a growth in the pass rush, at least, to where the pass rush isn't as worrisome as it was last season, where at the trade deadline they had to go out and get Melvin Ingram because they didn't have any answers along the defensive line. And Ingram wound up being a key component for them late in the season. I do feel better about this defensive line the way that it's currently constructed, even if they do, as we approach the trade deadline, decide to try to go out and make something else happen there. I think they could use a little bit more depth there, but the pass rush so far this season has been spectacular. And I think it starts with Chris Jones, who has been absolutely dominant this year. Yeah. I mean, surprise, surprise. The Chiefs pass rush starts with Chris Jones, who's a top three pass rusher, you know, at his position in the NFL. I mean, what you have Aaron Donald maybe is a better pass rushing defensive tackle. And that's open for debate this year. Chris Jones, has been utterly dominant so far. Yeah, would I like to see them go out there and add maybe a little bit more depth on the edge? Sure, I would love to see that. Dude, I think that it's critical to the success of this team moving forward, not necessarily at the if the at the back end of the defense can get healthy and step up. Um, I think that what you're seeing, like last year they had to go out and they had to get Melvin Egram but that's basically because we didn't have a guy like Carlos Dunlap on the roster like we do right now. We didn't have a George Karloftis. So yeah, our edge rushers are a little bit deeper than they were. You would you would like to see them maybe, you know, go out and trade trade away some resources to maybe get a top end talent, but not at the risk of mortgaging the future, right? Like if you're going to have to go out there and give up multiple first round draft picks to get a guy, then I pass, right? Cuz I'd rather take two two swings in the first round at a guy then 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 try to get a short-term solution and by giving up multiple first round draft picks for a guy that you're going to have to turn around and pay immediately afterwards. So moving forward, I think the defense is in a better position than they have been the rest of the season, just because Karloftis is only going to get better and the secondary is only going to get healthier. So I mean moving forward, you know, it it it, it, it's not going to get worse than it is right now, right? So and, 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 and so we know what the floor is, and the floor is not terrible. The floor is better than last year, honestly, you know, so. And, you know, there's reason to be really optimistic about this Chiefs secondary moving forward because I, I think we still are, are kind of waiting to see, like, that huge Justin Reed performance, you know, he was kind of the chief's premier free agent this off season, replacing Tyron Matthew, who was incredible for the chiefs for several years. And, you know, Justin Reed has been solid. Like he, he has been what you want him to be. He is a really good tackling box safety. He's not quite the same type of coverage safety that Tyron Matthew was, but Juan Thornhill has stepped up this season and has looked really good. And then, you're getting these reps from a Joshua Williams, from a Jalen Watson that are going to be invaluable later in the season. And we'll see if Rashad Fenton comes back after the bye and is healthy. And if, you know, Trent McDuffie is ready to come back and he's fully ready to go and, and be the Chiefs' number one corner like they drafted him to be. Well, now you already got Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson who have gotten a ton of reps as rookies. They've already gotten experience in this defense and they've made plays for you, you know. 
you can't be upset when either of them struggle and when either of them get beat. You know, I know Jalen Watson, uh, you know, gave up a touchdown to George Kittle against the 49ers. Well, there's nothing he could do about that. He's a seventh round rookie, rookie cornerback, and he's given you everything you could hope from a seventh round rookie player having to be thrust into a starting role. Joshua Williams has been burned a few times, but he had the interception against the 49ers, and he's at least shown signs of improvement over his last couple of games that he's been able to start. And so everything seems like it's falling into place for this defense to have a big second half of the season. If they can just get healthy and they can continue to develop. I think that this defensive unit has more room for growth than maybe any defensive unit in the NFL, especially if they go out and are able to land some type of veteran edge presence at the trade deadline, just to make that rotation even deeper as a unit overall. Oh, 100%. And one thing that if you notice with Jalen Watson yesterday when he gave up that touchdown to to, um, to Kittle is he was angry that he conceded that touchdown to Kittle. He felt like he was in position to, to break up that pass. And there is no way that Jalen Watson has any business you know, covering George Kittle. That is a mismatch all day long. Kittle is an all-pro tight end, and he is about six inches taller than Jalen Watson, but Jalen Watson has that mindset that I don't care who this guy is that I'm covering. I'm still going to be better than them and I should be able to defend him and break up that pass. And so that mentality moving forward for Jalen Watson is only going to serve him well once he's not covering George Kittle, but instead he's on like a guy like Hunter Renfro coming out of the slot. You know what I mean? Once he's not forced to be covering on the outside anymore, then you can move him more inside and he's not covering a, a team's number one wide receiver. I mean, I think he's going to feast against these guys. You know, I don't think these guys, I think he's going to lock them down, honestly. And, you know, it's worth noting, I, I think that there's e- even another level this group of linebackers can go to. We saw Willie Gay kind of get rotated in and out against the 49ers. And, you know, the first two weeks of the season, he was up there with every like top defensive player on the Chiefs playing, you know, close to 90% of the snaps or something like that, like a key cog in the Chiefs defensive unit. And they decided to bring him along slow, just coming off the suspension ahead of the bye week. We saw what he could do in the first couple of weeks of the season, and I would expect more of that from Willie Gay in the back half of the season. We know who Nick Bolton is. We know what he can do uh, along the defensive side of the ball. So I think expectations for this defensive unit are sky high as we head into the second half of the season, and I do think that they are primed and ready to only get better from here. And so that should be really exciting for Chiefs fans. But before we get out of here, Rocky, what is the number one thing that you are paying attention to as we move into the second half and get post bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, honestly, it is the run defense. I think that that is, I think that's the biggest issue on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Offense has its own issues. But I think Patrick Mahomes covers a a plethora of sins on that side. On the defensive side of the ball, at some point, a good team is going to realize that we just keep feeding the rock, that we're going to be able to shorten the game and beat the Chiefs. And I think that's going to be the last year it was play cover two shell, make Mahomes take the short short passes. I think this year it's going to be if we just run the ball every single down, they're not going to stop us, and we're going to be able to keep Mahomes off the field. And so I just really – are the Chiefs going to be able to shore up that run defense, you know, moving forward? And I think Willie Gay being back is really going to help that out. And I think, you know, just the defense, the front four for the for the Chiefs just playing together more, just gelling more is going to help that out. So I think it's it's looking positive moving forward, but that's the number one thing I'm watching for. 
And for me, I think it, I'm going to stick with the defense as well. It's It's got to be creating turnovers. I, I think that's something that Spags really has to address during the bye week. And hopefully they'll be healthy and they'll have their full defense on the field and, and Willie Gay, Rashad Fenton, Trent McDuffie. And they'll finally have that full complement for every unit of the defense because that's been the biggest issue with their defense so far this season. They are just not creating very many turnovers. And you need game-changing plays from your defense sometimes. And, you know, Chris Jones has been remarkable this season at you know coming up with a timely game-wrecking sack or something like that. But you need that secondary to force turnovers. And headed into that 49ers game, they only had one interception on the season. And it was a 99-yard pick six by Jalen Watson was their only interception on the season, which seems absolutely crazy through the first six weeks of the year. And now they get a couple of interceptions in that game against the 49ers. I think that's what they need to focus on over the bye week. They have to be able to create more turnovers. But those are our bye week observations. We've got more coming up for you later on this episode. I'm going to chat with Nate Christensen. He is uh, one of our great film experts here at Arrowhead Pride. He's going to break down some schematical things that we saw in the first half of the season, things we want to see, things we want to see adjusted. And I'm also going to chat with Maurice Elston. He does fantastic work for us at arrowheadpride.com. Thank you to my guy, Rocky Magania, for giving us his bye week thoughts. we got plenty more coming up on the episode, so stick with us after this quick timeout. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta. Happy to be joined by Nate Christensen. If you don't follow Nate, you can follow him on Twitter at N-A-T-E-C-H-3-2. I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right, so I feel like I have to spell it out, Nate. But uh, appreciate you jumping on with us here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as the Kansas City Chiefs are on by during week eight. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm glad to come on after a victory. Uh, It was a satisfying win yesterday, and yeah, I'm happy to talk. Yeah, it's for the expectations of the Kansas City Chiefs, and obviously they are lofty every single season. Um, to see them put together that kind of performance against the San Francisco 49ers, which was easily, in my opinion, the best performance of the season overall, top to bottom. Um, to see them do that just before a bye, entering the bye week at five and two after we spent so much time this offseason talking about how this is the roughest schedule in NFL history and the first seven weeks are impossible and the Kansas City Chiefs are just still sitting here at five and two. So you, know, you do a ton of incredible film breakdowns for us at arrowheadpride.com. So I encourage all of you who are listening to this podcast to go check out Nate's work because it is fantastic. And he also does a, a lot of really good work with our guys on the AP film room on our YouTube channel. So if you don't subscribe to that, you definitely want to, they do weekly breakdowns on all of the chiefs performances, but you're joining me today as the chiefs enter their by and, you know, we're kind of, taking a breather here at Arrowhead Pride, but still trying to prepare for the back half of the season. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you've seen from the Chiefs scheme-wise on offense and defense this season, kind of the things that have worked, the things that haven't, the things that they need to address over this bye week and hopefully get fixed as they head into the back half of the season. So I want to start with the offense, and I'm curious what you're going to say about this because after that performance, it's hard to find things to complain about when – you, know, you drop 44 points against the number one overall defense in the NFL. But in your opinion, what's worked well for the Chiefs this season so far and what hasn't worked so well? And what are the things that they need to kind of fine tune over the bye week? Well, to start with things that have worked well, I think it's been how the Chiefs have utilized Travis Kelsey, using him in so many different alignments, so many different ways to get 
easy, like easy yards, easy formation. So, you know, they'll put him out wide as, and then insert him in like a stack formation to get him a free release. They'll put him in line. So getting, especially that Tyree kills gravity, continuing to find ways to get Travis Kelsey, the ball has continued to be productive. But one thing I would say is, especially to build off of is now not that teams are taking away Travis Kelsey. That's certainly not the case. But I do think with teams playing more man coverage, which has been reflected in stats, I, I don't have the updated stats, but through like six weeks, it was like number one in the NFL. Finding a consistent number two weapon is such a big uh, thing for this offense. And one thing that I think is encouraging, but I do think needs to be built upon is, and I will be writing about this this week, is Juju Smith-Schuster is kind of establishing himself as the second weapon in this offense, both from like how the Chiefs are using him and from a target sense. And yes, a lot of Juju's production have has come after the catch, but the Chiefs are giving him more targets. And I think that's really important. And it'll go into running backs too. Establishing a hierarchy of okay, who are our weapons? Who's number one? Who's number two? I think is really important down the back back stretch of the season. So I, I want to talk to you about Juju a little bit here because I, I think I tweeted this after the win over the 49ers. Like Juju is so big and I don't know if it's like the chiefs uniforms or like, I I just never really realized quite what a, what a thick bodied wide receiver he is when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he almost looks like a tight end out there. Like, Like he is just hard to bring down and he is kind of, you know, just this possession chain moving wide receiver. But what you get in Juju Smith Schuster is, you know he's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's going to run the right route. He's going to have that timing down with Patrick Mahomes that we've seen kind of grow as the season's moved along. But like you mentioned him kind of taking on that number two role behind Travis Kelsey. Like, do you think that it's safe to say he's totally solidified himself there and everyone else like McCall Hardman and MBS and maybe we'll see Sky Moore get more involved in the offense later in the season? Like Juju is the definitive number two option in this offense moving forward? Uh, yes, definitely. And I even think yesterday's game is a good example of it. You'll look at the stats and be like, we'll look at like McCall Harmon has three touchdowns or MBS has like 120 yards. But those guys got their yards through like the ways we typically expect them. We expect McCall Harmon to get like manufactured touches. We expect MBS to break deep targets. Juju was getting the variety of targets, whether it's like outside hitch routes or slants or back shoulder throws. Those are like throws you'll typically see like an actual wide receiver um get targets through and i do think now we've seen that for two weeks now against you know two arguably the two best defenses in the nfl it seems like the chiefs when they need something besides kelsey are designing place for juju to open and talk about your size thing it, I, I will be right about it this week it's interesting because like juju is only six one but he's also like 220 pounds and i think he has to be heavier than that he's definitely heavier than he was in pittsburgh <laughs> He's got really long arms. He has like 98th percentile hands. He's just a really big guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil too much for our article, but that makes him valuable with back shoulders, boxing defenders out. And it's clear Mahomes has clear trust in just giving him the ball because he catches everything and can make so many tough catches. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was like a, like a back shoulder sideline throw that mm-hmm. Mahomes completed to him against the 49ers where he just – he just went up and like bodied the defender and grabbed the football. And we've seen that from him on multiple occasions now this season. And yeah, I think he had to have put on some size or something because I do not remember him looking this big in Pittsburgh. Like he, he just looks like a massive bodied wide receiver out there on the field. Um, 
But sticking with the offense, and we saw kind of, I, I think the way you want to utilize McCole Hardman on, on a weekly basis uh, against San Francisco. And I'm just curious, like, what's taken it this long to like, like, it seems like we've been talking for years about let's figure out how to get McColl involved. We know he's not the most reliable wide receiver in the world. And, you know, he seems to be off cue with Patrick Mahomes uh, on a lot of occasions throughout the football game to the point where even when he is open, it feels like sometimes Mahomes doesn't even look at him because maybe there's some trust issues there, but like, we understand what he is at this point in his career. He is an explosive wide receiver who's not necessarily the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he's so explosive. If you can just get him the ball and find a way to manufacture those touches for him, he can still be a complimentary piece. He can still be an explosive playmaker for the offense. So my question is just like, why can't we see more of this all the time? Like why can't, you know, him getting those, those uh, jet sweeps for touchdowns against the 49ers. Like, it feels like we've seen him have a lot of success doing things like that. So why aren't we just seeing more of it and more frequently from Andy Reed? Um, some of it's a predictability thing. One thing with like Andy Reed is that he doesn't like to like stick to the same thing very often because he likes to pull things like when they matter in certain situations. I think there's positive, you know, positives and negatives to uh, that scenario, but yeah, I mean, Hartman's not the best overall receiver. He doesn't run every single route, which is, you know, kind of a prerequisite to being a receiver for Andy Reid. But he is productive in these situations. And, you know, the Chiefs have sometimes had some struggles this year on first and second down. I think the Bills game especially, they were terrible on second and da- second down. And getting these easy touches from McCall Hartman is just easy manufactured offense. So continuing to dial that, especially with a running back room, that's, you know, not great by any means. I think is an easy way for the Chiefs to not put so much on Patrick Mahomes' plate. And last thing for me on the wide receivers, Nate, and you know, I don't think we need to get into MBS all that much. Like, I think we know who MBS is, right? Like, right. we we saw exactly who he can be and what the Chiefs' offense needs him to be against San Francisco, and it's like. Just be the big play guy. Just be that straight line speed guy that can get 50 yard targets down the field. And when he can do that, it'll open things up for the rest of the offense. But I want to talk about Sky Moore. And I I remember having conversations with a lot of people in the preseason about, you know, I'm a big fantasy football guy. I, I used to host a fantasy football radio show and I participate in a ton of leagues and I'm all about that kind of stuff. And everybody's asking me about Sky Moore and you know, I, I know a lot of fantasy analysts around the country were like, Sky Moore's the best wide receiver on the Chiefs team. Like, you have to draft him high in your drafts because he's going to be a playmaker for Patrick Mahomes. And he hasn't really been able to get on the field on, on offense so much. We've seen his snaps kind of increase, 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 but he's still not carving out a big role for himself on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think that has anything to do with his talent. Like I think he's shown some flashes of what he can be as a wide receiver. I'm just curious how you feel about his overall performance in the first half of the season. And if you do think there is going to be a scenario where Andy Reid finally kind of works him more into the offense, or is it a product of they just have too many veteran pass catchers this season for him to really find a big role? That's a good question. Um, I think Sky in general has played fine. I know he hasn't got the ball a ton, but you see, like, he's clearly, like, athletically there. He can hold up in the NFL, quick separator. He He's not super tall, but he is, like, a bigger, like, thicker body type. So he's able to handle tough catches and things like that. Um, in terms of, like, his role in the offense going forward, I actually would like to see him replace more of MVS's snaps. 
I know MVS had the good day yesterday, but again, it wasn't in a way that I would call sustainable. You know, he's not going to catch two deep passes every single game. And that's like the thing going back to like Green Bay with him is that like, yes, when he's clicking and getting vertical passes, it obviously looks good. But the Chiefs just aren't able to dial it up all the time because teams are prepared for that. Moore just has an like overall skill set that's better, in my opinion. He's just a better route runner. So I, I will hopefully be tracking, but I am ready for Sky to start by, you know, eating more into those snaps. I kind of want to see MVS not phased out of this offense, but just have his role reduced. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I feel like I've had this conversation uh, a dozen <laughs> times here on the Arrowhead yeah. Prime podcast. Not really. MVS is fine. He's exactly the guy that we saw in Green Bay. Like when he can make those plays down the field and they can connect, you're going to be happy with his stat line at the end of the game. And if he doesn't, he's probably just not going to be very involved in the offense. And so I'd like to see them address some of that. Hopefully here during the bye, maybe coming out of the bye, we'll see Sky more and more involved in the offense. Um, last thing on the offensive side of the ball is this running back rotation. And you know, ahead of the 49ers game, Ian Rappaport's making everybody freak out. Isaiah Pacheco starting running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I was just sitting here staring at my computer that morning like, that doesn't mean anything. Like right. that doesn't let's right. let, let's not overreact here. It's still a three running back committee. And I don't know how you feel about this, Nate, but I feel like this is the way the running back rotation is going to go throughout the entirety of the season. Like, I don't necessarily think that any one of these guys is going to wind up carving out like 60 to 70% of the running back snaps or something like that. I think the chiefs prefer it this way, the way they're kind of deploying these guys like Isaiah Pacheco starting doesn't really mean anything when they're all still playing like 30% of the snaps or whatever. And they're totally having this even split. I just feel like, this is the best version, at least for this season, of the Chiefs running game and, and what they can get out of these guys in the pass catching game as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I I don't I need to be like, careful when I say this. I don't want to like dog on Pacheco because I really do like him, but I do think his hype is just overstated. I like I understand he runs super hard and he definitely has like speed in the hole. But there's like he reminds me a lot of Damian Williams in the sense like you're kind of limited. He's really, really stiff as a runner. You can tell that by the way he runs kickoffs. Like, he just really can't, like, turn. So, like, especially with the Chiefs running so much out of the gun and so much zone, that's just going to limit what Pacheco can really do. Um, Clyde, I think he's looked okay. I think this is the best he's looked athletically since he's in Kansas City. But he's just not super fast. And, again, if the Chiefs are running all this zone stuff, it's just going to be hard for him to succeed. McKinnon's been fine. I actually think he's probably been better than I expected. He's a really good pass-protecting back. But still, like... He's just not super dynamic, so none of these guys really like stick out as like you have to play them more. I just think like letting them all have a role in the offense, giving them good opportunities with the right players, I think will be helpful. So moving over the defensive side of the ball, and maybe it's kind of hard to truly assess what the Chiefs are defensively. I, I think that it's easy to say like that unit has the most room for growth so far this season, but like how would you rate their overall performance given the injuries and, you know, Willie Gay's suspension and everything that they dealt with in the secondary, especially like, how would you rate their first half performance so far and just everything that Steve Spagnuolo has been able to get out of this defense? So it's been difficult because we have such a low sample of them healthy, like McDuffie and Gay have not played a half together with this defense. And that half was an exceptional, but it was also against like an easier offense. The Chiefs have just been really, really zone heavy. 
throughout this season, they haven't put a lot on the shoulders of their cornerbacks, which makes sense because their first round corner is out, but it does kind of limit what they can do. And when you combine that with the front that isn't winning enough right now, although they had a really good fourth quarter yesterday, they're not winning enough with four right now. It kind of creates like a bad like combination. So spec the blitz has been exceptional this year. And I think it's something that's going to work even better once we get better man corners, man coverage corners. But right now we've just been really limited. The only thing I would say that's really been annoying to me about the defense is the base defense. I don't have like yardage stats in front of me, but they are just bleeding yards, both in the run and pass game when teams just get heavier and put them in base. And it's disappointing because we have like the one of the highest like paid defensive lines in the league. We've spent three top 100 picks on linebackers consecutively. It doesn't even include Dorian O'Daniel, who's not in this roster. Like the fact that the base defense is still bad they can't like stop the run or pass is really disappointing. And teams are like, this is on tape. Now this isn't going to change when you're in base. It's easier to like Spags can't blitz as much because you have to call easier plays. And if the chiefs can't stop teams out of base, it's going to be a problem because it leaves Mahomes off the field and it doesn't let Spags get comfortable. Yeah. I was talking to uh, one of our friends at Niners nation who I, I had a chat with this past week ahead of the 49ers game. And it's like, I don't know why Kyle Shanahan decided to go away from the run in that game, but they were gashing the Chiefs for 10 yards a carry early in right. that contest. And it didn't seem like they had an answer there. And for some reason, they decided, no, we're just going to start slinging it with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, which did not work in their favor. Um, you know, and, you know, the run defense for the most part has been pretty good, but I tend to think that it's not really like that good. I, I just think that the offense has been putting up enough points that it's forcing uh, opposing offenses to just try to attack the Chiefs through the air. And you know, maybe it is some of the matchup problems that, you know, when you have a fourth round rookie cornerback and a seventh round rookie cornerback, like those are matchups you generally want to exploit. So what, what have you actually seen from Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams? I know Joshua Williams has been had a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but mm -hmm. for the most part, I, I tend to think that at the very least getting these guys this much work early in the season and the Chiefs still sitting here at five and two is just going to be invaluable once the secondary is actually fully healthy. And hopefully Trent McDuffie is that guy that we want him to be. And, you know, he is like that true number one corner for the defense. Yeah, and like I said, it's been so much his own that they haven't been asked to do a ton, but I don't think there's anything that would be concerning to me. Um, Jalen Watson looks big. He looks physical. He runs well. Um, Josh Williams, I actually think he's been kind of maligned unfairly. Like, the, I know those two Buffalo touchdowns look bad, but, like, I didn't think he was in, like, bad position on, like, one of them. The Diggs one was a little bit worse. And then yesterday, that Jimmy G touchdown, that was, like, a freak play, like, I don't, that ball is just like out there. I, I don't really think that happens most of the time. So through, you know, they're both young. They're both day three picks. I think you have to be happy with them. I think they've clearly played well. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I want to see the chiefs address, and I, I understand that it's, it's a hard thing to say, like address, but turnovers just have not come in bunches for this defense so far this season. And you know, I, I say it's a hard thing to address because you can't like plan for turnovers, right? Like right. you, you can't just assume like, this is how we're going to create an interception or something like that. that. That has to do with just like in-game situations and what you're seeing on the field. But inevitably I feel like that's going to hurt them a little bit, you know, they uh, against Buffalo, especially like 
they have not forced turnovers against Josh Allen, like over the last couple of years and against an offense that, that that's that good. You have to find a way to create those turnovers because every possession in a game like that can be a, a game changing possession. So what's coming out of the bye week Like what's the biggest thing aside from, you know, trade deadline coming up and then making a massive move or something like that. Like what's with the in-house personnel, what's the biggest thing you want to see them address over the bye week and hopefully correct here down the line to make them a better overall unit? Well, uh, just, I'm going to assume McGuffey's back after the bye. It seemed like Andy Reid said that Um, I want them to abandon base defense entirely. Um, I want them to just kind of lean into being almost like a, like a weak Martindale Ravens type defense where they're just blitzing a ton and yeah, there's going to be variants, especially with young players and some coverage bust. But I'm actually okay with that because obviously with the offense on the other side, they can quickly make that up. I just what I don't like is when the Chiefs just get into like base defense against heavier personnel. And obviously, like if they're just getting blown off the ball uh, against the run game, there's really no point to playing base, and teams are just killing us at the second level of play action. So I would say kind of abandon that, um, rely more on blitzing man coverage. And just become, kind of lean into like what Spags does well, because throughout his entire era in Kansas City, they've been terrible in the base defense, but they've always been good at a dime. Like they've always done well on passing downs. They've always been top 10 in EPA on third downs. Just lean into that all the time. And yeah, there might be times you give up more yards, but there's also going to create more positive plays, more sacks, more turnovers. And I think for this offense, they can just feast off that. He's Nate Christensen. Please follow all of his fantastic work at arrowheadpride.com. Again, he does all kinds of weekly film breakdowns for us. Uh, He jumps on with the AP film crew and they break down each and every game. He's doing great work. Thank you again, uh, Nate, for joining us. And uh, hopefully the Chiefs have some answers and fix that base defense coming out of the bye week. Yep. Thank you for having me on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta, joined by Maurice Elston. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Maurice, he does a lot of fantastic work for us at arrowheadpride.com, so I encourage you to check out all of his write-ups. He does some fantastic pieces for us each and every week throughout the season. Uh, Maurice, I believe this is your Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network debut, so uh, welcome and thank you very much for joining me. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. Def- definitely appreciate it. So, Maurice, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Chiefs. We're through seven weeks. We're into the bye. 
know, we talked about this all all season or off season leading up to the regular season. This is the toughest seven game stretch to start an NFL calendar in NFL history. And, you know, the Chiefs are five and two probably should be six and one if it wasn't for that Indianapolis Colts game. But for the most part, I think that they've lived up to every expectation that we could have had for them this off season. So through seven weeks, sitting at five and two atop the AFC West, just what are your thoughts on the Chiefs' uh, performance over the first seven weeks of the of the year? I mean, honestly, if someone would have told me after the first seven weeks going into the bye at the beginning of the season we would enter in five and two, I would have took that hands down. Like <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have batted an eye, but like. Yeah, let's let let's have that. Let's take that, and easily, like you said, we could be six and one, right? Or there there's some thoughts there that we could be seven and zero. Oh. You know, there's some mistakes there that we left some things on the table in that Bills game that where that could have went our way, right? So, I think um, where we're at right now, I'm very satisfied with five and two, uh, a game and a half up on the Chargers in the AFC West with them losing yesterday. I think we take this. I think we take the position we in right now all day. Any, anybody who said they don't, they're not happy with five and two. We got to get them checked out or something. We get, I'll take five and two with the type of schedule we had all day long. Yeah, and you know they're still right up there in the mix atop the AFC, even after losing that contest to the Bills, which right. you know, the Bills are a really good football team. So right. th- th- there's nothing wrong with dropping that game to them, but. You know, through seven weeks and, you know, the Tyreek Hill-less Kansas City Chiefs offense coming off of their best offensive performance of the season against the number one defense in the NFL and the San Francisco 49ers. Just how are you feeling uh, about this offense, about this group of pass catchers, about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the running backs just overall? Like what what's your temperature right now on this Kansas City Chiefs offensive unit? My temperature is really good. Like I um I honestly had I think I, I wanted to try to have realistic expectations at the beginning of the season, you know, with a whole new receiving core outside of you know Miko Hardman coming coming in. I knew it was going to take time. I knew it was going to be some time where we like, oh, it looks like they have it all together. Then there's going to be some times where we was like, don't look like they have it all together, right? So I think where we're at right now as an offense, we're finding that chemistry and we're hitting that stride. I think games like we seen yesterday with the 49ers we're going to start to see more games like that. Of course, there's no replacing Tyreek Hill, but the offense seems to be a little bit more efficient in defense not being able to plan for where the ball is going to go. And only person they, they got to focus in on to try to take away is Kelsey. But when you got other receivers that can do multiple things, I think it's just even been hard to take take him out the game. So I really love what the offensive game is. I I would like to see a little bit better running you know, performances come out of our, of our offense. But I think we're getting there. I think kind of the change yesterday to Pacheco was trying to just get a spark. And it seemed like the work, I think, oh, we had over 100 yards as a unit yesterday rushing. And that's without Mahomes rushing anything. So I'll take that any day. But I think we're about to hit the stride. I think the bye week came at a good time. Offensive line is still healthy. So that that's the main thing. I think Patch is finally kind of gelling with them and not, you know, dropping, understanding what his tackles is good at and what, and all of that. So not dropping back too far in the pocket to put Brown in trouble. So yeah, I like where we're at. So you mentioned the offensive line and I actually wanted to get your opinion on this because 
I do think obviously the offense runs through Patrick Mahomes and everything that he is capable of doing and making look easy on a weekly basis because he's just that much better than everybody else in football right now. But the offensive line's been really up and down this season, and we've seen them step up and have dominating performances where, you know, against the Bills, they were dominant, and against San Francisco, they were dominant, and they were up and down uh, against Buffalo, but uh, you know, Von Miller in that defensive line in Buffalo is just the deepest defensive line in, in all of football. So I don't even think you should feel too bad about their performance. I thought they performed overall as best you can against a defensive unit like that. But how are you feeling about the offensive line as a whole headed into the bye, and, you know, coming out of the bye, maybe they'll have Lucas Niang at some point this season. He could possibly get into the mix, but I, I tend personally to believe that Andrew Wiley is probably just your right tackle and you got to live with it throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of feel the same way. I, I feel like even though with Lucas Niang coming back, you'll, 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 you'll still, I think Wiley holds on to that job, you know, barring injury or something where, where Lucas is, 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 is forced into, you know, the, the game. O line overall, I think our interior has been solid. You know, with Creed, um, Creed Humphrey, Tooney, and, and Smith, I think they've been a very solid unit. Tackles, I mean, we've been we even went up against, like you said, some number one defense, number two defense, some really tough pass rushers that I think honestly gives most people's problems, not just our offensive line. So I think Pat had to make some adjustments a little bit with um, Orlando Brown and Wiley because they 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 seem to struggle a little bit more against the speed type of rusher guys than than the power guys. So not dropping so far back in the pocket. I think play calling. I think Andy has kind of found out a way to call little plays and and, and give help where it needed. Definitely yesterday you've seen it where he kind of set the lineup and really put them in some good position. So I think it comes down to that a lot. But I think just like everything else, they'll, they'll get better as the time go, goes on. I mean, we we forget that Creed and, and, and Smith are just still in their second year, though they've been very good. They're still only second-year players, and this is only the second year where this whole line has been together. So it, it still takes some time. But I, overall, I think going into the rest of the season, I think we'll be in a very good place. Yeah, I just hope that they can replicate these kind of big-time performances that they've seen where you know we, we've seen them be really up and down this season. Right. But- when they're on and they're good and everything's working, it, it seems like they're pretty impossible to stop, at least offensively. And you know, looking at the next half of their schedule, they've got Sunday night football against the Tennessee Titans, which that game, I feel like it's, you know, Andy Reid off of a bye. We know about his success, but right. it, it seems like the Titans are always like a frisky team and they're four and two. And I don't know how much Tennessee Titans football you've watched this year, but they're not a very good football team. They're not, so. they're not good. So that them standing here at four and two, it, it's just like another circumstance where last year they got the first round by in the AFC. And then you, know, you got the Jaguars, you got the Chargers, which Chargers have been bad and up and down and kind of a disappointment this season, but they're trying to get healthy. So we'll see how that matchup plays out. Then the Rams and Bengals, Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos again, and Raiders to round out the season. Like just talking about the back half of that schedule and, and knowing, knowing how difficult the first half of this schedule was like, Maurice, we got to feel pretty good right now, right? Like headed right. into this season, like this is, I, I don't want to say there's any like gimme games, but based on how some of these teams have played this season, you like the chiefs match or chances and virtually all of these matchups. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely think we should be, we will be favored throughout the rest of the season on the road and and at home. You don't see anybody that you kind of just worried about. 
of course the Rams could could hit a stride and, and give us some trouble up front with they with they front forward, but their offense is just not looking like what it what it did last year at all. Um the Titans, of course, Derrick Henry scares you a little bit just because how we've been, you know, struggling against the run the last few Derek, weeks. Derrick looks slow. Though, but, yeah, it's now. something like, missing with him, him this year. Yeah, he's, he just doesn't look like the same player. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, you know, and I think it was, he, he came back in the playoffs off that injury last year at the end of last season. He, he just hasn't really looked like the explosive player he was, you know, prior to. And he got a lot of miles on them legs. So it may just be that running back thing hitting him. So, I think if we if, if we could tighten up our run defense a little bit more, I honestly think that I mean any given Sunday, but I don't see no team just really beating us more than we beat ourselves if we lose. And before we get out of here, we got to touch on the defense. So you know, through seven weeks, knowing they didn't have Willie Gay for a, a big portion of this early season schedule, they haven't had Trent McDuffie, who uh, we all have high expectations for when he is able to return for the field and hopefully sure up that secondary in a way that we haven't really seen them be able to do so far this season. Like, how are you feeling about the Chiefs' defense uh, compared to you know your expectations coming into the season, acknowledging the things that they've had to overcome so far this season, and projecting what they can do in the second half of the season and all the room for growth that they still have as a unit? Right. I mean, the, the defense, especially the secondary, is a very young unit, right? Like, like we got a lot of young people out there. So my expectation, honestly, coming into this season was like, keep us in it, like, don't lose the game for us kind of kind of feeling when we come into this season. I, I was wondering how all this, the young secondary was going to gel, but from what we've seen from McDuffie, just the, the limited time we've seen him, he seemed to be very good on the outside um, that, that first game of the season before, before he pulled the hamstring. Hopefully he returns to form. I think, though, that really got us a chance to look at Jalen Watson and help him develop. I really like the idea of McDuffie, Sneed, and Watson going forward and kind of fitting, filling in there where, where we need them. And I think that young group would be good. Willie Gay get back and try to – it seemed like they kind of brought him back slowly yesterday out for that four weeks being off. But I think our linebacker core will, will, will be fine. I think giving Harris that experience will, will be invaluable too was going down the stretch as well. Uh, to be be able to come in in some of those situations. Defensive line worries me a little bit. I'm just hoping we can begin to get a consistent pass rush without the blitz, right? Spags definitely draws up some nice blitz pass, pass, packages to be able to get us to the quarterback sometime, but I would love for us to be able to get a little bit more pressure with that front four and for our, our defensive line to slow down and run and keep our linebackers clean a little bit better. But all in all, they kept us in every game we've been in the first the first seven game. Like, you know, even with the hold the Bills to 24 points, like, you know, one of the top offenses. So I think I like where we headed. I think we'll do nothing but get better on that end as the young people get experience and everything will be good. So last thing for me, Maurice, you know, coming out of the bye week, knowing the trade deadline is right around the corner for the Kansas City Chiefs. What's one thing you would like to see them try to address at the trade deadline, whether it's you know, the wide receiver, the pass rusher, what, what, whatever side of the line you fall on, what's one thing you want to see them do coming out of the bye week uh, ahead of the trade deadline? If we were going to do something, I feel like the only thing we should spend, if we're going to spend capital, I, I, would, I would have to say it has to be pass rush. I think our receivers are coming along. I think we'll, you know, our offense looks good enough where we don't have to go out there and, and, and mortgage the future or anything like that on, on, on offense at all. Um 
we, we don't run the ball enough to go spend a big time thing on, on, on a running back, in my opinion. Having a more dynamic back could be good. But I think pass rush. Pass rush is where it has to be. Somebody that can can show up and come off the edge, or even if it's in the middle, like somebody like a Sue or somebody that's out there that you can that you can get for for cheap, maybe on the free agency versus a trade. Like so I think defensive line, if I if I'm in V shoes, I would definitely go defensive line at the right cost. I wouldn't give up a lot for anybody at this point. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think you've seen enough from these pass catchers, and you're still hopeful that Sky Moore can develop into a, a larger role in the offense as the season moves on. I think you need the pass rush because while Spags has been fantastic at dialing up those blitzes, you need guys who can just get home during right. the postseason. And, and I do think that they're struggling a little bit with that right now. But overall, I, I think you got to be happy with the defense. I do expect the Chiefs to try to do something, or we'll at least hear some noise about them trying to make a trade here at the deadline. But, right. I think they'll do something as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Trade deadlines on November 1st, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. So we'll have everything you need to know. Uh, around the trade deadline, all the rumors, maybe the moves Chiefs actually do make at arrowheadpride.com. Again, he's Maurice Elston. You can follow all of his fantastic work at arrowheadpride.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Reese, R-E-C-E, Nichols, N-I-C-K-E-L-Z. Maurice, once again, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us, and we will talk to you again after the Chiefs bye week. I mean, appreciate you, man. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.